This is the new Metro New York market. Hello there, I'm Zach Romanoff. Welcome to The Brand Advocate, a podcast about business, entrepreneurship, and the billion dollar food industry. The Romanoff family has been in the food business for five generations. It's really what my family knows. People in our business and throughout the industry know my father, my grandfather, and some people can say they even did business with my great-grandfather. So the Romanoff name holds weight in the food industry. As the president of Omni Food Sales, I'm in touch with food manufacturers, retailers, and distributors on a daily basis. It's literally a network of hundreds of influential people. So what is Omni Food Sales? Omni Food Sales is a food sales and marketing company. We are hired to be the representative or agent of food brands. And we act on their behalf to go to the different supermarkets and retailers in Metro New York and represent them and sell on their behalf. So we present new items. We are responsible for growing the business of existing items. And we are formed in three divisions. Customer service in the office, processing orders, setting up items, confirming deliveries, retail reps in stores, making sure that products get cut in and placed on the shelf and that store managers' concerns are being communicated to the brand, and business managers, folks that present the new items to the accounts, negotiate the slotting and entry, entry fees. And so basically, the way I view Omni is as a wheel on the bus and the bus is going down the road. And the reason why I say Omni is a wheel is because all three divisions must be working together in unison for the business to grow. If any one of those three divisions is not putting in its part, then the bus doesn't go down the road. In its, in its simplest terms, that's the best way I could describe Omni food sales. Why is this podcast called The Brand Advocate? Well, it takes a little time to explain, but let me explain. In our industry, Omni food sales is referred to as a broker. Um, a broker, right? So let me just give you the backdrop, right? I've had countless meetings, meeting with new brands. We'd have awesome conversations about what Omni does, about our team, about our capabilities. And as soon as I mention or they hear that I'm a broker, like the smile that was from ear to ear turns flat and people literally would take a step backwards and their defense mechanism, their wall would go up. And at first I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is just this person. But over time I realized that there was a really strong negative connotation with brokers. And the more time that I spent and the more people I talked to to understand it, I learned that there are some really bad brokers out there. There are some brokers out there that lie, that overpromise and underdeliver, and you only hear from them when you need a commission check. And those people were causing all brokers to get a bad name, including Omni, which I didn't like, I didn't think was fair. I mean, there's so much that Omni does. So basically, uh, I said, well, what do we do to combat this, you know? And what I thought about was, well, well, we need a new word to replace this because broker's just not right. You know, what is, what is it that Omni does? So I started thinking, well, what does a broker do? Well, the word broker, what came to mind was a stockbroker or 
a mortgage broker, you know, or, or a real estate agent. These are people that made one-time transactions that you did with them. They got nice commission fees, and then nine times out of ten, you may never hear from them again. That's like what a broker is in those fields, but in the food industry, that's not even close to what Omni does or is. I mean, we may have been called a broker, but there's no singular transactions here. This is a true partnership. We are an extension of every one of our principles. I don't view Omni as its own standalone company. I view Omni as an extension of every one of our principles, and I have colleagues at every one of them. That's how I view it. That's, that's how we operate. We're not here to get an item in. I mean, if you just operated, whereas, okay, we're going to get an item in, you'd be out in six or eight months because there's so much maintenance that has to be done. There's so much planning that has to be done. There's so much relationship building that has to be done. There's so many competitors that are out there trying to take people's business even once you have it. For anyone to have that mindset, it's wrong from a manufacturer or a broker. So I began thinking to myself, well, what word then does describe what Omni does? And I started thinking about like a lawyer, how a lawyer represents their client. Whether their client is innocent or guilty, that lawyer goes above and beyond and does everything to be their client's advocate. And the word advocate hit me like a hammer on the head because that's what we are. We are an advocate. If a manufacturer messes up, if a manufacturer changes a, an item that was really popular and now it's going away and it's going away for some other reason that the retailer is not going to care for, Omni is the advocate that goes out there and pushes the agenda of the manufacturer a thousand percent. That's it. So to me, I started sharing these thoughts and dialogues with our internal team, wanted to get their feedback too, and we bounced these ideas off each other in the wall a few times, and ultimately we came to the agreement that Omni would refer to itself as an advocate for now on, not broker. So we don't refer to ourselves as broker anymore. It's out of our vocabulary. That's what we refer to ourselves as, and in meetings with new principals now, that's what we refer to ourselves as, and current principals and new principals, and even buyers and sellers in the marketplace are seeing it, and they get it. They understand it, and they want it. And that's what they're referring to us as. And it feels so great to know that because in my heart, that's truly what Omni is. No one's trying to get off on anyone. No one's trying to speed off with a commission check. We're in the bunker with our brands. So Brand Advocate is our name. Brand Advocate is the name of the podcast. Personally, I'm a husband, a father, a native New Yorker, I love Spartan races and all things basketball, and I grew up in two family businesses, a food distributor and a broker. The distributor distributes product. The broker helps sell it. My father founded both companies around the time I was born, and he's been a successful businessman ever since. So much so that in 2003, he was nominated and actually won Crane Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And I remember it was really cool. I was in high school. We went down to a big hotel in the middle of Times Square. It was a huge conference room. There were hundreds of people there. And my father won. There were celebrities there that gave him his, his, uh, his trophy. So that was really cool to see my father win and go against other leading entrepreneurs in this area. 
He also won uh, the Ellis Island Award, um, and he's also been recognized by local government and other charitable organizations for his work in the Bronx and in the community. I learned the definition of hard work from an early age. Really, some of the hardest jobs in society, in my opinion. I've developed a sincere appreciation for the people who do these jobs every day. I'm talking about my two earliest jobs, which are as a warehouse selector and a truck driver's assistant, and I'll tell you more about these jobs shortly. I've been encouraged by some people close to me to start a podcast for years, but I always reluctantly said no. You gotta understand, Omni has principles, Omni has a lot of business we're responsible for, and on any given day, I could be heading into a meeting, someone coming into our office, on the road, emails, calls, things come up unexpectedly. So to set time aside out of the schedule to put content out, it just wasn't a priority for me at the time. But I feel that the time is now, and this is the next step in Omni's evolution. I was born in 1985. That qualifies me as a millennial. And a lot of good and bad are said about millennials, but I feel like they're overwhelmingly good. And let me explain why. My age cohort is the unique segment of the society that grew up without all the benefits of technology, right? For the most part, computers were really just coming into existence. The internet was just coming into existence. There, were no, there was no social media. There were no apps. My generation grew up playing with their friends out pickup pick up basketball, pick up football, pick up soccer, and you learn to get along with each other. And if there were disagreements or there were fights, you would have it out, and then you would make up, and then you'd go back to playing ball again. If you wanted to call a friend to hang out, you called their house phone. And more often than not, you got one of their parents who picked up, and then you learned how to talk nicely to someone's parents. And someone's parents decided if, they were so, if you were someone that they wanted to pass along to their son or daughter for you to hang out with. So things were a little bit different. And we went through middle school, high school, and college through this, really until Facebook came out, and then of course everything changed. You didn't have to go out and, and be nice and meet people to have your own friends. You could just get somebody's name, look up, and you could find someone's entire life history at your fingertips. So I say this, what I, why I say this is because I feel like the millennials have a distinct advantage in the marketplace to bring about change and be successful because the generation ahead of us or born before us, they don't really know how to acclimate technology into their daily life. They're kind of like, they don't use it as frequently. They don't integrate it as kind of as smoothly as we do. And I feel like the generation beneath us is spoiled by the benefits that the technology brings. So they don't need to be nice to people or don't need to to go out to get certain things, they're just, they're getting all these benefits right now. I'm not saying that, you know, people in the older generation don't know how to use Facebook and Instagram or people in the younger generation don't know how to use these things correctly because people in both cohorts do. But what I'm saying is the people that grew up around my age group have an advantage and should use that to help bring about change and be successful. So what brings me here? I'm going to give you a short timeline of events that has led me to this point. About four years ago, a close friend of mine, Kevin McMahon, said, Zach, you got to check out this video. It's by a guy named Gary V. It's called Monday Morning Motivation. I said, okay. So I checked it out and I liked it. 
and I watched more Gary Vee content, and I read his book. It's called Crush It, and he talks about how Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn are the new Fox, ABC, and CBS. And that made sense to me. And the more I read it, a light went on in my head that I needed to use social media to get Omni out, to get Omni's message out. You see, the food industry is chronically behind other industries when it comes to marketing because people know brands and they know supermarkets and generally people just go to those places. So for brands and for retailers, there is some marketing going on. For a broker like me and Omni, there's absolutely nothing about a broker. So I redid Omni's website and I began posting regularly. Blog posts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I would just put my thoughts about the industry. If we had um, a special presentation or special meeting, or there was a food show, or there was a product demonstration, I would just document, you know, without giving away any proprietary information that could hurt the brand, I would just show, hey, this is what Omni's doing, we're out here, or, you know, this retailer acquired this retailer, here's my thoughts on it. We would just put it out there. And the results were great. It led to increased dialogue between our current principles and also introduced me to new principles. And people began noticing me at food shows and other events for the posts that I had made online. Most importantly, Omni got more and more consideration for new business opportunities. After doing this for a year, the idea came to me that I should record a video about what Omni does. So I hired a film crew and produced a seven minute video it's called What is the Network? If you go to YouTube and just put in What is the Network, you'll see it. It'll come up. It's also on our website, OmniFS.com. We traveled all over, created all of our own visuals, and effectively illustrated the marketplace that is Metro New York. It was really fun to make, and I'm very proud of it because no broker had done anything like that previously. Within two months of releasing that video, Omni was contacted and hired by three new lines, including one which was looking to hire a brand ambassador to help market its product. The brand had asked me about my basketball experience at UConn, my undergrad, and I told them my days of being a team manager for the men's basketball team, the Huskies. And they asked me if I could help them find an ambassador. Long story short, this led to a meeting between the brand and the largest basketball agency in the world all at Omni's office. And we were talked about a potential deal for one of the most popular players in the NBA to market this line of products. This was really special for me because I admired the brand and the basketball agency very much. And as a manager in college, I worked with high profile NBA players like Rudy Gay, Hashim Thabit, Jeff Adrian, A.J. Price, Marcus Williams, Curtis Kelly, Jerome Dyson, Craig Austry, Ed Nelson, Stanley Robinson, uh, and many others. Multiple food companies invited me out to different food shows and parts of the country to meet with their executives. So I did it. I went to California, Boston, and other places. About three months after that, I was contacted by the Korean government and they were asking me if I would be willing to give a speech to a group of food exporters from Korea. So I accepted and on a Labor Day went down to the Trump Soho building right by One World Trade Center in Manhattan and gave a speech to 50 of the largest exporters from Korea 
about how to build a food brand in America and then more specifically in New York. Now we recorded this whole speech so you'll hear it. It's going to be in another episode of the podcast or you can just Google Korean food fair Zach Romanoff and you'll see it. Giving that speech was one of the best feelings that I had because I felt like I was in, in the moment. I felt like I was where I was supposed to be. I was passionate about what I was talking about. People were loving it. There was a great exchange. And after that speech that I gave, numerous companies from Korea asked to work with Omni. A few months after that, the Synergy Global Forum, which is a business conference slash group of seminars, they reached out and invited me to come to their event in New York where I got to go to the theater at Madison Square Garden and watch Gary Vee, Steve Forbes, and the real-life Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, all give speeches about business and, and their thoughts on, on really all kinds of things. It was really awesome to hear it. And then I also got to meet other entrepreneurs in between the seminars. A few months after that, I was contacted by the folks at iHeartRadio. iHeart is the parent company to some of the most popular radio stations in the country. In New York, it's Z100, it's Power 105.1, it's 103.5, and others. So they invited me down to their studios, and we had a, several meetings, and I got to see where Elvis Duran records, where Ryan Seacrest records, and my favorite morning show, Power 105.1's The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and Angela Yee. I actually got to see them while a show was being recorded live. So we had great meetings, and iHeart actually proposed that we would put out branded material together on all of these platforms, which is really exciting. I was super uh, amped up as to what it could have been, but when we went through the details, we just were not able to come together on a final agreement. During this time, business leaders in the food industry and even other industries have reached out to me asking for advice on how to better market their products or services to the local community. The coolest thing is people that I didn't even know existed or would have thought would be in realm for me have been the ones that have reached out and expanded my network. So what do I want this podcast to achieve? Well, I listen to a good amount of podcasts when I'm driving on the road to and from appointments. And I've also looked at the top Apple iTunes charts. And I see a lot of podcasts about news, about sports, and about entertainment. I see very few about business, and I see zero about the food industry. I would like to be thought of as the expert when it comes to the food industry and supermarkets. The supermarket industry impacts everyone in the United States, and there's just not a lot of information out there for anyone about this. This podcast is for anybody interested in business. This podcast is for anyone who's interested in learning about how food products are created, manufactured, packaged, distributed, sold, and transported to different retailers, restaurants, and other food outlets. This podcast is for anyone interested in learning how to develop and create your own food brand. And I'm certainly looking to raise awareness for Omni food sales around the country with both developing brands and large established brands. This podcast will touch on topics that come up in my day-to-day -day life at Omni food sales. You're going to see interviews of me, 
You're going to see me interviewing other entrepreneurs. You'll see conversations between me and industry friends. And you're going to see my thoughts as a whole about the industry altogether. I hope people will find value from the information that we're going to share here. Entrepreneurship and the journey that companies go on is very interesting to me. We have some really cool stories to share from entrepreneurs and others that may inspire other people listening on how to take that next step or can help them get from one spot to the next spot on their journeys. I would like to help others with advice, feedback, and networking to basically be a hub of helping people come and go and help each other. We've heard some amazing pitches and stories in the Omni Conference Room over the years. I wish we could have recorded them all, but we're going to begin to share some stories that can bring value and hopefully help people to, uh, to make better decisions for themselves. What I found through hearing all these stories about brands is the people that were stubborn enough to believe that they could do something or make a change or make a sale or build a brand were the ones that could actually do it. It's not necessarily about money. It's about the people that are, are willing to bet on themselves, right? You ever heard the expression, don't bet on the horse, bet on the jockey? 100% absolutely true. I view myself as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs have to make dozens of decisions every day, and they've got to deal with both the good and the bad. I like bonding with people in similar leadership roles, people that have taken risks, people that have left certain securities and safeties and have gone out to, to chase their true passion and following. I love seeing and hearing about where other entrepreneurs and business leaders are in their respective journeys. And if I could help, I would love to be able to help them get around an obstacle or get through an obstacle. I'm here to help them. And in ways that maybe I'm not even aware of right now, perhaps they might be able to help me somewhere down the road. Also, a lot of the prominent business figures in America, the rock stars, so to speak, they put on this persona that everything is great all the time. They're always strong. They're always building. They're impenetrable. And at least for me in business, there's days where you're not going to have all the answers. You're going to have to figure some things out on the fly. You're going to need to rely on friends and colleagues and other trusted individuals. And I'm here to be myself and show people that it's okay if you don't know everything right now. You can figure things out along the way. It's okay to open up and be vulnerable. I'm here for you. So for all the people listening, if you're driving in your car, if you're walking in the park, if you're in the gym, if you're on the airplane, wherever, just know that I'm here for you and I hope that you take this podcast and these tools and use it for yourself. For as long as I can remember, I had been riding in to the Hunts Point meat market in the Bronx. Hunts Point is a commercial area or part of the Bronx where there are multiple markets. There's a meat market, produce, seafood, there's beer, and there's other distributors too. There are literally hundreds of trucks coming in and out of this marketplace every day, serving the surrounding community and really as far up and down the East Coast as you can imagine. Hunts Point was known in the past as a, as a harsh, rough community. I saw homeless people when I was growing up. I saw fights in the street and other things that most young people just don't see. Because of all this, I'm very comfortable 
walking in or going into any neighborhood. My very first job was as a warehouse picker or selector. And basically, we manually walked through the refrigerated warehouse and pulled cases out of their slot in the rack one by one and put them on pallets. The refrigerated warehouse was cold but bearable. And that space was big. But then there was the frozen space, and that was a completely different story. First off, we would have to wear multiple layers of clothing. I'm talking about long johns, sweatpants, jeans, and then a full Arctic coat on top, just to stay warm in these refrigerated and frozen warehouses. And even after wearing all that, oh, and by the way, multiple pairs of gloves, you would still need a break after a few hours because your body would just get too cold. Either that or your pen would freeze, and you would need a pen to write down all the weights of the boxes to make sure that everything was accurate. In the summer, we got to see some funny sights. You would see men walking out of these warehouses wearing full freezer suits, hats, gloves, into 95 degree heat in the middle of July and August. We were picking up boxes, stacking them, wrapping them, loading them, putting them on a truck. Finish one order, go and get a new one and then you'd see who can do it the fastest. My other earliest job was working as a truck driver's assistant. As an assistant, I didn't drive the truck, I was an assistant. I helped the driver make deliveries from all across the five boroughs in New York, all the way upstate, Connecticut, Long Island, all of New Jersey, down to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and beyond. Let me briefly walk you through a day in the life of a truck driver's assistant. The truck left the warehouse at 5 a.m., which meant it was a 3.30 a.m. wake up. Driving a truck through the five boroughs is hard. The streets are narrow, passenger cars are not always friendly, and sometimes the address that's on your order sheet doesn't match with the actual location or store has moved uh, its, lo its, its, uh, its location and you actually have to find it. So you may have to circle around a block a few times just finding the place. Once you found your store, you'd park, you'd walk inside with your slip, you'd get approval from the receiver to unload your truck, and hopefully if your receiver was there, if he hadn't gone to lunch, sometimes the receivers maybe didn't get in yet, and you'd have to wait for him to get there, or maybe he went to lunch, and you'd have to wait an hour, hour and a half till he came back, and then also there's other trucks that are waiting to unload their orders too. So once you finally get the okay to unload your product, you back your truck into the gate, the door, wherever it goes. And if there is a, a pallet jack, then you would use that to unload your product. If there was no pallet jack, you would look around. And if you were lucky, there would be a U-boat. If there was a U-boat, you would load that up multiple times to get your product out. If there was no U-boat, you'd have to manually unload the product. Once you unload the product, the receiver checks it to make sure it's everything that they actually did order, and then you get your paperwork signed, and then you would be on your way to the next stop. Some stops are close to each other. Others could be hours apart. Depending on your location, there'd be different number of stops. Some days, there would be 12 stops. Some days, there would be five stops. And if a customer decided that for whatever reason, they claimed they didn't order the product or it was damaged and they didn't want it, they would refuse it and you'd have to take it back as a return on the truck. 
And of course, the warehouse doesn't want you to come back with any returns. They want you to come back clean. I worked these two jobs since before I was 10 years old and did them both on and off through high school, summers, holidays, and weekends while growing up. I was a young kid working with grown men, but over the years and over time, I developed close relationships with the different truck drivers and warehouse workers. I grew up watching these two businesses grow from a courtside seat. It really has been a blessing. I've seen things from an early age that they don't cover in the best business schools. Negotiating, budgeting, forecasting, dealing with the competition, recruiting, hiring, training, unfortunately in some cases, firing, dealing with the changing marketplace, all kinds of meetings, meetings with lawyers, meetings with accountants, meetings with insurance reps, and other meetings with other people trying to start and do business in this market. After graduating college, I worked outside of the food industry for a few years before returning to the family business. I've worked at Omni full-time for over 10 years now, and I've worked in each of its three divisions. I started as a retail rep. I had a route of stores. I had a car, had a region, had a territory, and I really learned how products get into stores and how they stay in stores. I went on my route, I checked on my products, and what I learned in this job was really, I learned uh, walking a supermarket as a consumer is fun. You walk up and down the aisles, you look at the different brands, the logos, and you pick basically what looks best to you. You make a decision on price, and you know you move on to the next thing, and it's fun. When you're walking the supermarket, and it's for work, and you work for a brand, it's a different story. You're looking at a different criteria. You're looking for the unit size. You're looking for the unique product attributes. You're looking for the retail, the cost per unit, the cost per pound. Is it the same? The ingredients, all these things that I usually would just, or in the past before working full-time as a retail rep, would just walk by and glance at these things. I mean, there is, there is huge business and millions of dollars at stake between these big brands and small decisions and pack sizes up or small changes things and throws them out of whack. So I learned how to effectively walk a store, but I also learned the importance of relationship building. I talked to different store staff, to assistant managers, to store managers, to part-timers, to department supervisors, and I learned what they looked for, what their ordering habits were, and what attributes they looked for, and what support they looked for from brokers and from manufacturers. So when you hit the same group of stores every week, you really learn what gets on the shelf, what stays there, and why it stays there. I worked in the, in the office in customer service, learned the ins and outs of that, order entry, dealing with principals, dealing with customers, and learned how to get product to its desired destination in a timely fashion. I also learned the importance of attention to detail. One decimal place to the left or to the right by a CSR rep could cause an avalanche of a problem <laughs> later on. And there are hundreds of orders coming across CSR's desk daily, weekly. So it's within reason that someone could make a small mistake, but they really have to be perfect. And I learned this firsthand.
even customer service reps have to pride themselves on having relationships with the manufacturers they represent and the customers they work with. At times, we need to get both of them to be flexible with each other to make the, de the desired delivery happen on time. In some cases, if a customer service rep doesn't get creative, jump through hoops, or bang on doors, or send emails with 15 people carbon copied on it, then the customer doesn't get their product, which isn't good, which means the consumers in the stores don't get their product. And lastly, and still in the position that I have now, I worked as a business manager. A business manager goes to the corporate buying office of the retailer or distributor and basically handles all day-to-day -day contact with the buyer. In the New York Metro marketplace, there are 25 supermarket retailers, and then there are distributors too. Metro New York is the most ethnically diverse areas in the country. I believe it's the number one ethnically diverse area in the country. There's so many people densely packed into this market, and then there's people of so many different ethnicities. It's a very special marketplace, and for a lot of food companies, a lot of trends start here. So business managers that are really tied in here get great information to share with their principals. When I was a young pup, I started out with our smaller principals and smaller customers, and I sharpened my teeth up over time. Being a business manager is great for me personally because I get to use my greatest skills, which is communicating with others, talking with buyers, listening to buyers, hearing their problems, hearing the new business opportunities, giving advice. A business manager gets to get very personal with their principals and their customers because they are managing the business. So they get close to everything and they get to use their sometimes creative decision making to help make outcomes that everybody wants. So for me, I love this. I love the thrill. I love the challenge of trying to make a sale and trying to make a sale that works for both sides. Uh, I love the challenge. I love the thrill of it. And it's something that I, I feel very passionate about. One of the most important things I've learned through my years as a business manager is that buyers have people walking in and out of their offices all week. They could buy similar products from almost anyone. They buy from who they like. They buy from who they trust. So having a positive reputation in the marketplace is crucial to doing business and being successful. Through working in these three divisions, I learned the business inside and out. I devoted myself and had success. Working in a family business is not easy. I know on the surface, it looks like it is because, oh, you know, your family's gonna look out for you, so everything's gonna be set. But that's really not the truth, all right? When you walk in and you are a second or third or other generation, you, uh, you represent the people before you that worked hard, but you have to make a name for yourself. I've been very fortunate to learn from a great group of mentors. Of course, my father, number one, but also guys like Rich Anderson have been with Omni Food Sales for over 20 years, and there were others. Jimmy Aiello was my first boss and mentor at Omni Food Sales. He was a Vietnam veteran, he served. He was a former meat butcher, and then he was a meat director for over 100 supermarkets in New York City. He really knew the meat business inside and out. He was traditionally in our office between 5.30 and 6 a.m. every morning. And when I came in at 7 a.m., if I came in a minute after 7, he would sarcastically say, good afternoon, 
which I thought was funny. Jimmy taught me the basics of doing business. He taught me to tuck in my shirt. He taught me how to address people, how to look people in the eye when I see them, how to follow up timely, how to build a reputation by consistently doing the things you say you're going to do, never lie, and let people know that they can rely on you. I learned from Jimmy that there was no secret sauce to getting things done. Just be a good person, do what you're going to say, and follow through. He taught me your word is your bond, and a reputation that has been built up for years could be ruined in a day. And he also had these great mannerisms or sayings. He said, Zach, a good pencil is better than a long memory. And I'll always remember it because whenever I sat in his office, he would say, did you bring a pencil? And I would say, no. And he'd say, go get one. And we'd sit down, and everything he told me, I would write down so I didn't forget. And, uh, and I still do it today. I write everything down. I got to shadow Jimmy on hundreds of calls, and I was so impressed by the way Jimmy was received everywhere we went. Secretaries loved him. Buyers loved him. People at the top loved him. Manufacturers loved him. Everyone loved this guy, and I used to admire how many things how many times his phone rang and how many people were calling and asking him. I mean, buyers were asking him, manufacturers were, were asking him, and everyone was asking him, how do you get stuff done? At the time, I thought like his phone was the epicenter of our business because there were so many people calling and asking his direction, and I admired that, and I always wanted that to be me, for me to be the one in control of all the business, and today I am. Unfortunately, Jimmy had a battle with leukemia that he lost and he passed away a few years ago. The meat industry lost a true legend. Jimmy will always be missed. Today, I'm the leader of all day-to-day -day operations at Omni. I call on buyers, supervisors, owners, analysts, and report back to each of our valued principals. I'm responsible for allocating all resources for the company and for generating new business. All that being said, the food industry is a lot of fun. I've got to do a lot of cool things. I've eaten at some of the best restaurants throughout the whole country. I've got to meet, hang out with, and sometimes have dinner with Hall of Fame, NBA, NFL, and MLB players. I've met other famous people, celebrities. I've done a lot of cool stuff. I'm truly blessed. I know that this is a wonderful opportunity, and, and I'm thankful for it every day. So that about wraps things up for episode one of The Brand Advocate. I hope you enjoyed hearing about my history, how I came to this spot that I'm in now, and, and everything else that I've shared. I'd love to hear your comments. Share them here. My email address is Zach, Z-A-K, at OmniFS.com. That's O-M-N-I, F as in Frank, S as in Sarah, dot com. And my Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, is all Zach, Z-A-K, Romanoff, R-O-M-A-N-O-F-F. Reach out to me, hit me up. We'd love to hear what you think. We've got a lot of good stuff to come, so I can't wait for you to hear what's coming next. And remember, not all days are created equal. See ya.